0: Welcome to episode 15 of the Geek Therapy Podcast. This is your host, Josue Cardona. With me today is Dr. Lawrence Rubin. He's a psychologist in private practice, a professor of counselor education at St. Thomas University and UMass Boston. Um, hi, Dr. Rubin. Thank you for coming on the show. Hi, Joshua. Um, I, I found your book, um, Using Superheroes in Counseling and Play Therapy, last year, and I thought... I need to talk to Dr. Ruman. I need to have him on the show. Um, So I wanted to ask you a few questions about that and some of the other things that you do. Okay. um, And your work in general. Sure. So so just since that's the book I'm most familiar with, um, you are the editor of that book. How did that come about?
1: Well, that was the uh, final stage in an evolution of projects that started with a, a small article I wrote for the newsletter for the Association of Play Therapy which was very widely received, uh, I guess I wasn't surprised, although I was, that there were so many people who were interested in the topic. Uh, from that little newsletter piece which I refl- in which I reflected on a few cases that I had worked around superheroes, I wrote an article along with Harry Livesey for the International Journal of Play Therapy. Uh, which went into more detail about the origin of uh, the idea of using superheroes in play therapy and looked into the elements of the superhero story that lend themselves to play to therapy and counseling and from there, I thought, you know why stop now? <laughs> you know, my friend and, uh, my friend Tom Ryan of Loyola University had a had this little notion: no thought shall go unpublished. So back then, I was just in a creative and writing mood, so I pitched the idea to Springer, uh, Springer Publishing in New York, and thought, you know, if Harry is doing this kind of stuff and I'm doing this kind of stuff, well, maybe there are some other souls out there who are also working with superheroes in their counseling practices. And I put out a call all over the country and got a nice handful of people who would be willing to contribute chapters. And uh, a mere year and a half, two years later, we had the book and what's interesting is if, if you have a chance to put the cover of the book on on your site my friend Loretta Gallo Lopez who specializes in working with autism has a son named Nick who was an art student back then and he created the uh, drawings for the cover and the editor first said well we really need a professional rendering rather than a you know high school level art student but ultimately they put they put Nick Gallo Lopez's picture on the front of the book. It was really a, a wonderful collaborative project with a lot of people, uh, and that's how it came about.
0: I'm so glad to hear that story about the cover, because if you see it, right, it does look like a child may um, have um, 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 made the cover, right? <laughs> well, he was a senior in high school, and he, yeah, yeah.
1: he went on to South Carolina um, Art Institute, SCAD, I think it's called, and he's now working, I think, with Disney, so From Humble Beginnings.
0: That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. So what kind of feedback have you received after the book was published? Well,
1: um, I got a lot of emails, but the real proof of the pudding was that I was... The Association for Play Therapy, uh, for which I am a member of the uh, Board of Directors, has uh, associations in each of the states, and each of the states hosts an annual conference at which they invite a keynote speaker and over the next 2 years i was invited to 13 state conferences to be the keynote speaker to talk about how therapists and counselors could use superheroes in play therapy and counseling so uh that's how the word got out and i don't know if the book sales paralleled that but um i really had a nice opportunity to pack my spandex and Travel all over the country and talk to hundreds and hundreds of therapists who, um, who either wanted to learn how to do it, or who had done it and wanted validation, or just came to share great stories. So, it was, it was well received in the therapeutic community.
0: Um, what has been the reaction outside of the play therapy community, like in more conventional, just the normal um, conventions and, and you know, just traditional psychology and counseling circles?
1: Do you know something that I don't? Has it been received outside of those circles? <laughs> I, I, I really haven't had any feedback outside of the play therapy community. But we're a 5,000-member community. Um, I, I haven't really had any, any recognition outside. They do more, much more serious stuff in the traditional, conventional therapeutic community. They're really into evidence-based practice and statistics and empiricism. I was contacted by a few errant um, graduate students who went on to do their master's theses or PhD dissertations around superheroes and therapy. So I guess it did spread a little bit out into the research community, but that was pretty much about
0: it. Okay. Okay then I see because I'm I'm constantly waving the superhero and comics flag um, in the boring circles. So I usually get, you know, people rolling their eyes at me or or a lot of strange questions.
1: Keep waving. (laughs) Keep waving. (laughs) Well, I think the problem is that the field of psychotherapy and counseling is under such fire now to uh, prove itself empirically. And uh, if it's not cognitive behavior therapy or brief solution-focused therapy, or dialectical behavior therapy, then they don't want to hear from it. So I've been able to use, you know, when when available, my my superhero stuff in a cognitive behavior framework. Uh, but I don't, of you know, superheroes first, CBT second.
0: <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, and I saw on your, your site that you've given seminars um, outside of uh, so, like, for professional. I'm I'm guessing it's for professional organizations or for companies oh, and yeah, things yeah. like that. Oh um, yeah.
1: Cross-country university was, um, is a provider of both distance education and you know, brick-and-mortar education. So over a period of a year or so, I did seminars f- outside of the play therapy community. Yeah, I forgot. Good job. Outside of the play therapy community uh, for clinicians in, uh, I think, six states. I did two tours. And it was well-received, but the numbers were low because, like you said, if it's not cutting-edge Or highly empirical people sort of think, eh, I don't want to waste my time going to that. But it it was nicely received in those audiences when I did go.
0: I think that now is such a a rich time to I think really embrace this again, especially for for counselors, because superheroes are in the public mind so 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 deeply, right? Everybody knows who the Avengers were. Um, everybody knows these superheroes that a few years ago nobody nobody had any idea who Thor or Iron Man was, right. and now these things come up in therapy. You know, I constantly have children and adults talk about how when they're angry they feel like the Hulk, right. and you know, it's one of those things that uh, it, it just makes sense. So I, I think now is a great time for t- to branch out um, with this concept.
1: Absolutely. And it's interesting. There are a couple of folks who have written very, very excellent books. One of them is Sharon Packer. She is a psychiatrist in New York who wrote a book called Superheroes and Super Egos. And she really does a beautiful job of looking at the psycho- psychoanalytic foundation of many of the superheroes, and Robin Rosenberg is has released is releasing a book with oxford university press's Super, our superheroes ourselves and I wrote a chapter in there, but you have some practitioners, psychiatrists, and psychologists who are writing about the meaning of these superhero stories, which parallels like you said, the um, absolute explosion of superhero movies in the media they 'll never die um, that's, but you 're right people. He will have to be taught to take them more seriously and tie them to classical mythology. And then uh, maybe they'll get their 15 minutes of fame.
0: And, <laughs> you know, and uh, Robin Rosenberg, I-, I met her before. She's fantastic. Yeah. And she, she's doing perhaps the opposite of what I was just talking about. Instead of clinicians, just branching out um, or, or the concept of superheroes and therapy, um, branching out into more boring circles. I think she's taking that concept and bringing it, you know, the psychology and therapy aspect back into the superhero and comics and geek culture community. So um, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, these conventions like Comic-Con. Oh, sure, Um, sure. Yeah, there's a lot of psychologists going there. And I'm giving a presentation this year. Friends of mine are going. And it's all these therapists all of a sudden are are having panels accepted at these giant pop culture conventions. And people are interested in that. You know, the average people who, who may not... Need therapy, or who are in counseling or, or psychology professionals, they want to hear about
1: this. Absolutely, Robin and Sharon and Danny Fingeroff. I don't know if you know Danny. Danny is um is a former group editor for Marvel, and uh, he's done a lot about. He wrote he wrote a few books in the area. He wrote uh, uh, superheroes, something about the Jew the Jewish connection in superheroes. I, he'll hate me for forgetting the name, but he, Robin, and Sharon were going to. They asked me to present it at New York Comic Con, but the panel wasn't accepted. Maybe this time it will be. But you're right. It's going into broader circles due to people like you and them. It's a good time to be a geek.
0: So we had some technical difficulties, and for the rest of this interview, I have no audio on my half, but I still have all of Dr. Rubin's audio. So what you're going to hear from now on is just me talking a little bit about the interview and then interjecting uh, Dr. Rubin's audio into it, kind of like NPR recapping a story telling type of thing. And um, let's see how that goes. So I knew that Dr. Rubin had written another book on popular culture um, in psychotherapy, similar to the superhero one. So here he explains a little bit about that.
1: Yes, well, edited the book um, on using popular culture in uh, psychotherapy and play therapy guess you know you've written a bunch of books when you can't remember the titles of the damn things.
0: So then I asked Dr. Rubin about where the idea came for these books and how much research he did and what exactly went into it and his response was really good because he talks about how um, a lot of this came from his personal experience about what goes on in the office.
1: You know I also work with kids and teenagers and just for example the other day a a twelve-year-old boy uh, who was in my office, who I've been working with on and off for two or three years, and he he has this difficulty controlling his anger, at least in an appropriate way. He'll tell teachers teachers to shut up or I don't I don't like your stupid test. He's brutally honest. Um, he talked about Naruto, the uh, Japanese anime manga character, and and from that we really did a very nice piece of work together around controlling his nine-tailed demon fox so the work really evolved from the counseling uh, hours not from my head and not from the movies but really from really from the uh, the client's own love for all things popular and you know, in this case superheroes whenever they would bring a story or a backpack or a notebook or a t-shirt and uh, it told me what was you know through the. through its iconography, what was important to them. And I always use that as an opportunity to ask them further questions. So my interest really came from the ground up, from the counseling and play therapy office, and um, sort of evolved from there.
0: When I asked Dr. Rubin to expand a little bit about this idea of focusing on the experience going on inside the session with the client, what's going on with the client, um, he gave a response that's very near and dear to my heart.
1: I think we have to really start from where our clients are, and especially with kids. So often they're they're labeled and pigeonholed and told how they need to behave and what rules they need to follow. And uh, not enough people listen to what's interesting to them and what forms the narrative of their lives. We're always trying to impose narratives on kids and teenagers. So I think this inside out way uh, is much healthier and a much more potentially fruitful therapeutically when we listen to the ways that they make sense of the stories of their lives and then we add to it with sort of their editors at large i think at best
0: since i talk a lot about geek therapy i every now and then do get some opposition and some eyes rolled at me so i asked dr rubin um, if, having been someone who's published a few books and a lot of journal articles um, if he'd received any opposition from the academic or therapeutic community
1: You know. Even though I work at a Catholic university, it is a very liberal thinking place, and uh, I think over twenty one years they've come to see me as the you know the mad scientist toiling in his intellectual laboratory and as long as a book is the result of my my efforts, they're fine with it and I think I have had no opposition at school i have had, I've had no detractors i really haven't I haven't gotten any letters from you know Died in the wool CBTers out there who say you know if it's not empirical you know empirically driven how dare you do it no I've gotten a lot of support I, I I guess you would expect that I've had more detractors perhaps if more people knew about this stuff I'd have more detractors but um no I've received an awful lot of support at the university it's been regarded as highly creative work and no one and in the therapeutic community whenever I've I've delivered workshops and seminars around the topic of superheroes it's really been more Um, consensually just awe and wonder and uh, real praise for the creativity involved. And I've had no one say, oh, you really can't do that. That goes against all of the uh, tenets of what we know about psychotherapy.
0: I knew Dr. Rubin had written the superhero and pop culture books before, so I asked him if he was working on anything else. And he surprised me um, when he started talking about a whole other book that he's written and was already published that sounds absolutely amazing. And if um, you have any interest in what we've been talking about so far, you'll really love uh, what he has to say about this book.
1: <laughs> Actually, I, um, I gave into the dark side, and my friend Alan Schwitzer and I co-authored a textbook for graduate-level uh, counseling students across disciplines. It's called... Um, Diagnosis and Treatment Planning for Mental Health Professionals, a Popular Culture Case-Based Approach. The, the superhero book wasn't a textbook. It was more of a clinical companion, but uh, my buddy at Old Dominion University, Alan Woody Schwitzer, and I um, released a textbook with um, with Sage Publications out of Thousand Oaks, California. Boy, I sound like an infomercial, don't I? But it's it's called Diagnosis and Treatment Planning for Mental Health Professionals, a popular culture case based approach, and this is a serious textbook you know six hundred pages. Um, the first section is the real serious stuff it's clinical thinking skills and diagnosis and case conceptualization and treatment planning and then we really uh, we're off to the races because for the next four hundred pages, we take thirty cases that we've drawn from popular culture and we conceptualize them across theoretical models we we diagnose them according to the dsm-4 uh... even though the dsm-5 is coming out in two weeks we then we then create multi-component multi-dimensional treatment plans that incorporate everything from interpersonal psychotherapy to, to cbt to dialectical behavior therapy uh... it's a very serious textbook using popular culture cases that we have developed from you know, popular culture characters that are you know, in the mind's eye of the public and it really is uh, I think a beautiful book unlike any book that's ever been written and for that reason it'll probably sell about six copies but It came out in january december of two thousand uh... january two thousand twelve and just to tell you just to sort of give you a very quick overview if i can of the cases and you know again we took characters from popular culture and we really treated them as if they were coming into the clinic miss piggy naruto Hansel and Gretel, um, Snoopy and uh, Edward Cullen from uh, Twilight Series and Jamal Malik from Slumdog Millionaire and Juno McGuff and Elphaba from um, the the backstory of the Wicked Witch of the West. And it goes on and on. The Cleveland show. We took Jesse the Yodeling Cowgirl and Tinkerbell and we just we just had a great time. And even though, you know, I guess that's. That's why popular culture has always been considered the red redhead, the redheaded stepchild of, of uh, American culture. These are popular culture characters drawn to fiction, but we treat them as very serious clients with very serious problems. And um, we really thought the book is a great, great book. Of course we did. It's our book.
0: I was so excited to hear about this book, um, especially because it's a textbook. So just to think that up-and-coming therapists would learn um, through this perspective, about um, not only characters that they know, but more importantly, characters that our clients know. And I was telling Dr. Rubin how how important it is for us to be aware of these characters because that's what our char- uh, that's what our clients know. That's what the language that they're speaking. And Dr. Rubin agreed with me.
1: Absolutely, I think that's the ba- the basis for good psychotherapy is you start where the client is at. Um, you know, basic humanistic existential psychotherapy, which has sort of gotten lost in these days of uh, pressure for empirical results. I see the pros and cons of it. But yeah, you start where the client is at. And it's interesting. One of the characters we analyze is uh, Star Trek uh, TNG's uh, Data, Data the, uh, the Robot. And we know that he struggles to feel human, as Mr. Spock did before him. And there's even this wonderful scene in Generations where the two get to talk to each other. But, you know, students struggle to feel whole and to develop a sense of identity, as do our clients. So these are universal themes being reflected through the lens of these characters that have been created by the same people who struggle with the same issues. So it's, it's just sort of recur- this recursive loop. We end up, it's all about us anyway. Uh, so, yeah. But in therapy, we start with where the client is at. You know, we've met the client, and they are us basically.
0: At this point in the interview, um, I was pretty convinced that Dr. Rubin must have an amazing office. I think all therapists have an idea of what their ideal office would be like. I know I have one and I've seen very, very cool offices. So I wanted to know what Dr. Rubin's was like and, um, you know, if he had any pop culture stuff in the office.
1: Oh oh my God, you shouldn't have to ask. (laughs) My, uh, the walls of my, my private practice is in, um, it's above a movie theater built in 1951, which in 1961 showed the debut of Where the Boys Are, because it's on Fort Lauderdale Beach, and it just goes from there. So my office is wood panelled. It's floor to ceiling, wall to wall, paint by number and Venus Paradise pencil by number art. I have my uh, the games Parker Brother games on the top shelf, and I have my Superman wallpaper. I mean, it's it's not. You know, for someone who has attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, it might be considered somewhat of a distracting place, but, but yeah, I, ha- I have a, an orange porcelain oven in my office, and on the top of it is a troll. Remember those Russ trolls? So yeah, um, walk into my office, and you know, popular culture are us, and I didn't, I didn't do it for the clients. Um, I did it because um, it. It's comfortable for me, and what's interesting is the very first professional article I ever wrote in a journal, the Journal of the Arts and Psychotherapy, was based on my clients' reactions to the paint-by-number pictures in my office, because they brought great stories with them about family and their history, uh, and those, the pictures just triggered um, memories and recollections.
0: The last thing Dr. Rubin and I discussed was an idea that I bring up on the show a lot, which is that if you're a therapist or any type of professional and you have another set of expertise, and by expertise I mean maybe you're just really into something or you know a lot about something or you're a fan of something or you have another hobby, you can bring that into the work that you do every day and your clients may benefit from it if if they share that also. So, um, Dr. Rubin and I were discussing that back and forth, and he had a few things to say about it, and he told a story about someone he met a few years back.
1: I did a workshop on superheroes out in the middle of the country somewhere, and um, there was a guy in the back of the room. He was a biker, clearly a biker, and he had an encyclopedic knowledge of superheroes, and I asked him uh, how he's used his, his love, his passion, his encyclopedic knowledge of superheroes, In counseling and he said, I never did. I was astounded. Because, you know, here's a guy probably trained in the old school who's told, you know, your office must be a neutral space. He himself was a walking icon of, you know, biker art and biker culture who loved superheroes. Uh, and it was sort of ironic that he didn't didn't make the connection or perhaps wasn't allowed to make the connection. So, you know, the younger generation of therapists uh, are caught really between the demands of the traditional model where the therapist is neutral and has to use techniques that have been proven empirically and the desire to express themselves you know your own website you know is a testament to the the need to express yourself and anything we can bring into therapy that is part of who we are you know rogers talked about genuineness and congruence I'm not saying you have to force your superheroes down the throats of your clients, but if it's something that's useful and important to you as a person, and you can connect with your clients around it, then I think it's a match made in uh, therapeutic heaven.
0: Unfortunately, that's the end of our conversation with Dr. Rubin. I'm so thankful that he came onto the show to talk to us. I'm sorry about the format change halfway through, but I hope it worked out. Um, The worst part was that you missed some of the banter between us. Uh, Dr. Rubin is a really, really funny guy and uh, he's also one of my heroes. Um, so again, I'm, I'm just so thankful that he came on and that we were able to save the audio on the second half. Um, the last thing I asked him was how to get in touch with him, so I'll let him tell you about that.
1: Um, they can email me at lrubin555 at gmail.com. They can also go to Amazon where they can see uh, my various publications and uh, my website, which is not superhero.com, oriented is lawrence psychology.com
0: i'll make sure all of the information that dr rubin shared there at the end and throughout the entire episode is available in the show notes um, for this episode so for more information visit us at geektherapy.com or follow us on twitter at geektherapy